church, in our society, because people really, they don't have light on this subject. People are walking around in the darkness. And so that's why we want to illuminate it. And who's going to illuminate it for us? God is going to illuminate it for us. His Word, His Holy Spirit is going to illuminate it. But before we go there, i got, I got a couple of things I want to share with you. Valentine's jokes. Are you ready? Okay, you got to lighten the mood before we get into it. Uh, there was a young man. He asked a, a girl to be his Valentine's. And she said, no, I, I can't be your Valentine's for medical reasons. She said, really, medical reasons? She said, yeah, you make me sick. That's a hard one, isn't it? Mm. Okay, you start out a little rough, and then we'll, we'll soften up. What, 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 did the French, what did the French chef give his wife on Valentine's Day? He gave her a hug and a quiche. Okay. Okay, what's the, what's the best part? And this is my, my favorite part about Valentine's. What's, uh, what's the best part of Valentine's Day? The day after, because chocolate goes on sale. Okay. What did, the, what did the chocolate sauce say to the ice cream? To the ice cream. I'm sweet on you. Okay, there you go. All right, well, let's move on. Let's, uh, let's, start, off with a, let's start off with a word of prayer before we dive into our, our subject matter uh, here this morning. Okay, so pray with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that your word illuminates love. And God, uh, we, we confess here in church that we need help. We need to love at a deeper level. Uh, God, we don't know how. And, uh, and, and even more so, God, our world is stumbling along in the darkness when it comes to love. And I pray that your word and your Holy Spirit will teach us today the deep teaching about how to love how you love us so deeply. And, and we just pray. Pray for our friends who are guests here today. God, I pray that you'll just help them to feel encouraged, help them to know that you love them, help them to feel love from us. God, we're so grateful for Jesus who came here to, to show us exactly how much he loves us and how much you love us. Holy Spirit, we ask you to to meet our needs where we are right now. There are a lot of people here today, even online, watching online, who really need help. And we pray you, Holy Spirit, will meet that need. Thank you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, if you missed last week, I, I can't say enough, go back and, and, and to our website and, 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 and weigh in because last week we talked about in this whole series that we've been doing called Love Illuminated, we're, we're basically hitting uh, three different areas of love and, and they're very powerful and profound. Last week we talked about God and his relationship with us and, and, and basically what, what God says to us is that he loves us and I got you. Very, very powerful what we saw last week from, from God's words. So you can go back to our website and, and check it. In any one of the series that we've gone over. 
And uh, basically, you know, a lot of people look at the Bible and they, they pick and choose and they say, well, I'm not sure if I agree with that. Well, regardless of whether you agree with it or not, the Bible's going to stand on its own. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to testify that it's the truth by action and by what you see. And, and hopefully all of us can have the humility today that say, you know, God, I believe you have a higher view than I do. You know, you understand. And, and if you were to summarize the, the scriptures into, into you know, kind of summaries, you, you get these three areas. We talked about this last week. And that's, you know, the Bible talks about these three areas, redemption, righteousness, and relationship. And it's, the Bible spends a whole lot of time talking about relationships, and particularly God's relationship with his people. And as messy as it is, he never stops loving his people. And so you and I really need some help in this area. And, and, if, and I believe if we were doing a better job at relationships, we might not need Love Illuminated. But as you look around, you say, man, we, we, we need some help. You know, we're, we're stumbling along and we've made some mistakes. And, and our society doesn't really have an idea on how to love. So, so God's can shed some light on this area. We talked about this last week, and this is huge. Because we're not talking about, you know, acquaintances. We're talking about deep, loving, long-lasting relationships. Ones that you can say, this makes life worth living when I'm in these relationships. And, and the way God describes these kinds of relationships is he describes it as a covenant. We talked about this last week. And a covenant is a, sp a serious spiritual bond between two or more people or parties. And the difference between a covenant and a contract is a covenant is characterized by what can, one can give in the relationship versus what can get. A contract is what I can get. And I believe a lot of us, when we enter into a relationship, we, we really determine if we're going to stay in that relationship based on what we can get. And that's the wrong approach. Let me ask you a question. Who took the initiative, you or Jesus, when it comes to extending unconditional love? I mean, it's indisputable. Jesus took the initiative. It says, hey, before you even knew it, I reached out and I showed you, I love you. He took the initiative and then you and I responded. And so this whole idea of a covenant is about what can I give? And if you approach a relationship from that vantage point about what can I give, wow, look out. It's going to be very, very powerful. And so that's what we've been talking about. Last week we looked at this. God is saying to all of us, I love you and I got you. I got you. And, and we looked at this verse as how do we know what love is? John said it this way. He says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. God just doesn't show his love so we can be inspired. He's saying, listen, I'm going to love you laying it all down for you. But my expectation is so your relationships can be higher and better, I want you to lay it down for your brothers and sisters. 
And that's, that's huge for us to understand. It's not just something to receive. It's something that we got to turn around and give because our world and our relationships need us to lay it down for each other. And what a powerful thing it is when we do. So today we're going to take the next step. Last week we talked about our relationship with God and his relationship towards us. Today we're going to talk about marriage. And you say, why are we talking about marriage? You've got a lot of single people in the house, right? Ooh, you need to know this. Trust me, you need to know about this because our world has no idea what this means. And you can see, do you know that in the state of California, they stopped taking statistics on divorce and marriage? You can Google it. Try to find out what the divorce rate is in the state of California. You know, and people throw around these percentages. They stopped taking stats in California. Just stopped. So we got no idea. But you and I both know marriage is in trouble. It's in big trouble. And so God wants to take us to a higher view when it comes to love and when it comes to marriage. He wants to elevate us. Why is it that we like to go to these places when we're going on trips and we take these stops and there's these places where you can stop and it's elevated and you can see the whole valley down below, right? The scenic route. It's beautiful to be elevated. You know, you go to a sporting event. Uh, you know, some people like to be at, at, at field level or court side. I like to be a little elevated. You know why? Because then I can see. Because when you're, when you're in court side, it's just, it's confusion. Everybody's running around. You really can't see what's happening. But if you're in the press box, you know what I'm saying? You can look down and you say, wow. You know, this is elevated. Look, look at God's perspective when it comes to love and relationships. It's elevated. Look at this verse in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 9. It says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than whose ways? Our ways. Understand this. You and I have ways that are way down. God's ways are so, and, and so today, I, I, want, I want to make sure we understand on the, on the onset, today the purpose of what we're going to talk about, and even next week, is not to throw stones or condemn anyone. It may feel like that, but the purpose of what we're going to talk about today and next week is to educate us and help us, all of us, so we can be successful in our relationships. Okay, so if you feel attacked, that's not what we're about. Okay? Now, you may feel uncomfortable, and that's normal. Okay? But understand the purpose of why we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about is so that we can be successful from here forward. Not looking back. You may recognize, man, I made a mess in the past, but it's now about looking forward, what we're going to do in the forward. And it says, and my thoughts, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I want to show you a place in, in, the, in, uh, in the United Kingdom. Uh, it, it's, it's this place in, in England. It's a park, and it's called Longleat Hedge Maze. 1.5 acres of a hedge maze. And these hedges are eight feet high. And there are 16,000 uh, 
They call them yew plants or yew trees. They're miniature trees. And it is so big that if you don't have a map, you can spend more than two hours walking around in this maze. And some people do get lost in this maze. Let me talk about marriage. Marriage is not just amazing. It's a maze. It's a maze. And if you've been married for any amount of time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can get lost in marriage. Back to the Scripture. You know what's saving people in the, in the long leap maze? Technology. Because guess what people do? They download the map and they find their way around and they can get through it. And the map shows you this, the elevated view. What if we approach marriage in all relationships from an elevated point of view, God's point of view? Instead of stumbling around and bumping our head and hurting each other and doing so much damage, what if we could be elevated and understand how to do this right? What's God's view? Even in this hedge maze, they've got this little, this little place that if you're lost, you lift this up and there's a map inside. Guess what? If you're walking around lost in the maze of relationships, in the maze of your marriage, if you just lift this lid right here, you're going to find a map. Now, you've got to follow the map, Okay? You can't say, well, I, I like the map, but I'm not going to follow it. That's messy. But marriage is a maze. It's amazing, but it's a maze. And you can bump around quite a bit in marriage. Look at this passage in Hebrews chapter 13. It's really, really powerful. Look at it in the message verses. It says, honor marriage. In other words, put it on a high on a high place. Honor it. Honor marriage. And guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. How about this word sacredness? Do we use it a lot today in society? Is it, is it on the top 25, 50 word searches on Google? No. We got other stuff. But not Sacred. Do you know what sacred means? Holy. Say it with me. Holy. Holy means set apart. It means it's something really, really powerful. And, and that's the way God wants us to treat it. You know, a lot of people can have children and not be married. Right? They can live together and not be married. You can even own property together and share the finances, can be quite resourceful, and not be married. And we see it all the time. There's one thing you can't have unless you're married. And that's this word right here, sacred. 
it will not be sacred. It will not be holy. And I'm going to try to be as sensitive about this as possible because we are in church, but hey, it's in the Bible. We're going to talk about sexual intimacy a little bit today between a man and a wife. You know, you can be intimate with somebody and there can be pleasure, but it will not be pure. It will not be holy. There's a lot of reasons why people get married, right? You know that. I, I, I think some people living together, they feel compelled to get married, don't they? And hey, I appreciate that. They're like, man, we got to get married. Why do they do that? Because of this? They know something's wrong. Now, some people, they say, no, I don't need to get married. We'll just live together. I, I don't believe in marriage. Well, again, that, that's your opinion, and it will be shown for what it is. But there's something inside all of us. There's something inside of all of us that God has given to tell us, oh, it's not right. Something's not right here. You know, I, I didn't have, when I was a young man, I didn't have a whole lot of knowledge of the Scriptures and what God teaches and what, he, what is morality, what is righteousness. But I had a conscience, and my conscience was loud at times, deafening. You're doing wrong in relationships. And, you know, th this is something that we, we've got to see. And, and, and I want to say this to our singles. You know, don't, don't look at marriage as something that the world looks on. There are people that get married because they should. Because everybody else is, they feel like they need to. No, no, do not approach it like that. Marriage is very, very powerful and sacred, and nobody should approach marriage without being ready. And we believe that. You need to understand it's a serious decision that should not be taken lightly. Because you're entering into a covenant relationship, meaning I'm in this for life. And we're going we're gonna to get into that. But for, for young people, I, I just want to say this. We've got to honor marriage the way God honors marriage. See, when a, when two, when a couple of man and wife come and they, they decide to make vows, they may think, ha-ha, you know, it's a ritual and they're making fun and everything. No, no, no. God is listening and he's saying, I, I, I hear what you said. And it's not a little deal what you're doing. It's not a little deal. Let me show you what I'm talking about. All the way back in the beginning, uh, in Genesis 2.25, it says, Adam and his wife were both naked. <gasps> they were naked. But here's the interesting thing. They felt no shame. What happens when couples are intimate and they're not married? Now, you and I both know having sexual intimacy before you're married carries with it consequences, doesn't it? It does. We know this. But see, when you're married, you take away the consequences. And guess what else you take away? Shame. There's no more shame. It's right. It's out in the open. It's, it's, it's awesome. See, the conscience 
That pesky conscience that all of us have that keeps bothering us, keeps telling us, and keeps saying to us, it's not right. And when we do things God's way, there's, there's, there's pleasure, okay? There's pleasure in sexual intimacy, and there's purity. There's purity. And that's why it's so important, you guys that are young and, and you're thinking about all the love that you feel and the passion that you feel, hey, you may find pleasure, but you will, you will feel this afterwards. And it is what it is. We can argue and, and talk about it. It, it is God-given, and you know it. People don't feel, and that's why they move towards, hey, we got to get married. But why not take the different approach and say, hey, let's do this right. Let's wait. Let's wait. See, I was single in the church for five years after I became a Christian, and I decided I'm going to do this God's way, and I'm going to live in purity, and I'm going to wait until I get married to be sexually intimate or even to be even close to that. And that's what we talked about before, honoring marriage. You've got to hold it in high regard. Not the way the world does. It doesn't matter, the world says. Of course it matters. We don't want to walk around with this. Go back a verse in, in Genesis 2.24. Now this is very powerful. King James Version, he talks about, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave, this is not a word we're familiar with, shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be what? One flesh. Okay, so what's the closest relationship that you and I have on this earth prior to marriage? Family, mom and dad, right? Now, some of us, I realize, you know, your family situation was very, very, you know, uh, dysfunctional. But let's talk about a typical family. There's a lot of love. Mom and dad, they, they provided for me. They loved me since I was, you know, brought me into the world. They took care of me. They, they, they you know, I mean, you, He's saying, listen, when a man moves in the direction of marriage, he's going to leave the, most, the closest relationship and form a new, even closer relationship than family. He's going to leave his mom and dad, and she's going to leave his, her mom and dad, hopefully, and they're going to cleave. This word cleave, it means a very tight bond like becoming one fabric, one in, in, in every, it's to, to adhere, to join, to totally be united, bonded together. And here's the word I want you to understand. They become inseparable. Once they cleave together, okay, once they cleave together, they become, in God's eyes, inseparable. And it's very deep, and it's very, very powerful. This is God's view, okay? This is not our view. This is not the world's view. This is God's view. This is how he looks down on it. And they shall become what? One flesh, one body. It's not her and I. It's us. We become one. We think together. We do things together. And, and it's very, very powerful. Now, I think this passage, when it talks about this, this idea of cleaving together, 
You know, a lot of people go into a relationship with a, with a, a goal in mind. And what do most people get married for? What would you say is their number one goal? Because they want to be happy. But God's view on this is not happy. Because, you know, the truth of the matter, if you've been married for any amount of time, you're not happy all the time, are you? You know, as much as, you know, Farrell Williams wants us to be happy, marriage is not always happy. And then when you have children, it adds even more challenges to happy. Here's the deal. I think it's a wrong approach, and God's viewpoint is it's a wrong approach to go into a relationship to be happy. See, because happiness is not, cannot be a goal. Happiness is something that comes from a bigger purpose and bigger pursuit. And marriage, the number one pursuit, instead of getting married to be happy, we should be married to be united. What's our goal when we get married? I want to be united. I want to be inseparable. I'm getting married so that I can be closer to this person than anyone I've ever been close to in my whole life, and we will be inseparable. And guess what comes from that? Happiness. Happiness, and we're going we're gonna to delve into this, and you're going to see it. it. It's very, very powerful. This next, this next verse, Deuteronomy 30, verse 20, same word in Hebrew. That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him. This, this word cling is the same word as in Genesis chapter 2, 24, cleave. There's two relationships that God wants to be inseparable, inseparable. First, our relationship with him. He's saying to us, I am joining with you in an inseparable relationship. And when you get married, it should be, from God's view, an inseparable relationship. And that needs to be the priority. Another one that we read in weddings a lot, okay, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I mean, a practical viewpoint, but in a marriage, who's the third strand? You got husband and a wife. Who's the third strand? God is Jesus. If you understand this dynamic, you're going to understand how to have a successful relationship. Two friends. If, they, if they're united with God and they pray together and they are both spiritually oriented, focused people, they're going to be very close friends. There's something in common. But with a husband and wife, look at, the, look at the dynamic here. A marriage takes three, not two. It takes three to have a success. This is God's view again. Remember, we're, we're elevated. We're looking at the maze from up above. And we can see it. God... Husband, wife, when both of them individually and together pursue a relationship with God, and very practically speaking, they seek him through learning his word and in prayer and seeking his will. And very practically, when a couple prays together, this happens. 
I do a lot of marriage counseling. And in those counseling sessions, you hear it from both sides. You know, ask the wife, because ladies first. So what's going on? Well, you know, he is such a knucklehead. He, he, he does this and the other, and he's not this, and he's insensitive to me, and he can't do anything right, and, and on and on and on. I go, okay, okay, hear that. All right, anything else? No, that's about it. Okay, husband, your turn. What, 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 what do you see here? And sometimes the husband's smart. He just goes, I don't know. That's smart. It's quiet. It's say nothing. Yeah, what she said. But most of the time, the guy does the exact same thing. She's this. She's this. She never supports me. Her cooking is no good. Uh, you know, it's, we got a long list, two long lists. Okay, and so then here, okay, anything else? No, that, that's about it. Okay. Can I ask you guys some questions? And let me tell you, nine times out of ten, nine times out of ten, are you guys praying together regularly? Oh, yeah, we pray over meals because we're Christians. No, 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 no. I mean, I mean, are you praying together? Just you and your wife. Not for a meal. Are you praying together? Nine times out of ten, guess what the answer is? And then on an individual level, you go a little further, you say, how's your walk with God, sister? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not really pursuing that right now. I haven't had time. Okay, so you want this, you want this, and you understand that this, he is a very important part of this. Why would you leave him out of it? And this as soon as we start to introduce God into the relationship, into the dynamic, then we get to some solutions in marriage counseling. Not all of them. And it's deep water sometimes because there's a lot of hurt, sometimes over many years. But he always, it, it shouldn't surprise us that there's been studies on couples that, and this is interdenominational, not just, you know, Christian church and then traditional church. No, all denominations. Couples that pray together every day have less than 1% chance of getting separated and divorced. Less than 1%. This, this is real. And why should we even question it? I mean, God says it. Here's what marriage is. Marriage is an invitation asking God to join the relationship and make it whole. Make it whole. See, only God can make this relationship whole. Make it really powerful. Make it deep and spiritual. And so this is what God's view, he wants to be a part of the relationship. He wants to seal it. And so many of us are going about trying to make our relationships work and leaving God out of the picture. And then we wonder, even in roommate situations, this, this, this thing is, yeah, add God to anything. It's kind of like adding water. If you want to make something great, add water and it'll, wow. Add God to any relationship and it will be incredible. Even roommates that I've had when I was single, when we pray together, 
man, the, the, the challenges would go away. And we really experienced some, some incredible time and incredible memories together. And it prepared me for the best relationship. Now, let's, let's, let's kind of bring it all together here in this passage. This is the Apostle Paul, amazing teaching about marriage. Okay, God's view on marriage. And the importance that Jesus is the center of the marriage. And this is, this is very profound, what we're about to get into. Okay, so prepare yourself. Stay with me. Okay, Ephesians 5, verse 25 through 26. It says, and we'll start out with husbands. We'll get to the wives in a minute. We'll start out with husbands. Husbands, love your wives. How? How do I love her? What is love illuminated? Tell me, Paul, how should I love my wife? Because she's hard to deal with sometimes. Love your wives just as who? Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. What did Jesus do for his church? He laid down his life for the church. Guys, can I just talk to you for a second? Your role in the relationship if you're married. If you're going to get married, guys, if you're going to get married, you need to understand your role. Now, I believe in equality. Okay, that may surprise you. I believe women, women should get paid the same salary that men do for performing the same job. I'm all for equality. Okay, it may surprise you, but I am. I believe women and men are equal. But understand this, we have different roles. We get it in a football team only one quarterback. That's his role. You got the lineman, you got the running back, you got the receivers, you got, you got the kicker, you know? You got to show the kicker some love. Right? But if you really understand a football team, the moment, the moment the quarterback gets a big head and thinks he is all that, what happens to the team? We got a problem. Okay, and when he starts to spout off the mouth, husbands, just like Jesus loved, if you, you love your wife the way Jesus loved the church and loves the church, you're going to have a great marriage. But I can't love her. You don't understand. She's hard to deal with. I got news for you, brother. You are hard to deal with. Some of you single brothers, you're hard to deal with. And Jesus still loves you, man. He still loves you. He loves you. And he's in it with you. Okay? You need to do that with your wife. And, and, and making her holy. Now let, let's get to the fun part. Wives. Wives. Submit yourselves to your, your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Some women saying amen. I like that in the church. This gets misconstrued, though, in the church world. See, because we like to say women need to submit, and that's a bad word. It's not a bad word. It's a beautiful word. Because all of us have to submit. Husbands, we have to submit. We have to submit to our wives. Did you know that? 
You gotta submit to her needs and you gotta put her first. Jesus submitted to the church and say, how can I serve you? How can I help you, church? I pour out everything for you. I'll do anything for you. So women, why is it hard for you to submit to your husbands? Because you're focused on your husband and not on Jesus. Husbands, why is it hard for you to lay down your life for your wives? Because you're focused on your wife and you're not focused on Jesus. See, Jesus could change even our marriages, guys. He could change everything. Here, just for me, okay, 26 years, let me be honest and open with you. There are times when I, I do not love my wife the way Jesus loved the church. But the moment I decide, at that moment that I decide, I'm gonna love my wife just like Jesus loved the church, unconditionally, that we are inseparable, guess what happens? The conflicts, it's like, they, they get so much smaller. And guess what she's freed up to do? I want you to picture this. Picture a relationship where I'm in this relationship not to be happy, but I'm in this relationship to give to you. I'm here to give to you. I'm here to make you the best and the most successful. I'm here to serve you. What do you need? Imagine that relationship. See, this is the teaching that I was brought into when I got married. Marriage is not what you can get. It's what you can give. And if you, go, if you pursue even sexual intimacy from the vantage point of what can I give, it changes everything. Guess what? It makes it more pleasurable and it makes it pure. God knows what he's talking about. This is very, very powerful. Here's, here's the statement that God is trying to get. Marriage is bigger than our personal pursuit of happiness. Marriage is much bigger. We talked about this in our last series. If you and I would just live for a higher purpose than for me and what I can get out of life, if we would just live for something greater than ourselves, what God's trying to say is your marriage is greater than you. Man, marriage for me, God is saying, is so powerful. It's the only relationship that I can use to describe the relationship between me and you. I mean, look through the scriptures. I mean, you, you just peel Old Testament God saying, man, you guys hurt me like an unfaithful wife. You go, whoa. That's some serious pain. He says to one of the prophets, I want you to go and marry a prostitute. You marry her and you try to be faithful to her. Is it possible to keep a faithful marriage to a prostitute? Impossible. God says, it's exactly how you feel in that relationship. I feel in my relationship with my people. I mean, this is, this is so powerful. But does God stop loving? Does God stop pursuing does God stop initiating? We could learn something from him. Never give up on love. But see, this word happiness, we get so focused on it. I'm not happy. I'm not happy. Well, I got news for you. We're not here to be happy. Life is not about happiness all the time. Now, there are moments of happiness. You guys who are moms, sisters, ladies, your moms is... is, is, is Motherhood, happiness all the time? No, it's a headache. I see you. 
Those kids drive you crazy. But there are moments of what? Happiness. Happiness. But if you focus on the relationship and the unity of the relationship first, guess what? gets a lot better. So we need to pursue in marriage and in all of our relationships the unity first and happiness comes as a result. All right, so let's wrap it up. Paul brings us home. After all, no one ever hated their own body, and he's talking about the husbands again. No one ever hated their body, but they feed it and care for their body just as Christ does for just as Christ does for the church. We are members of his body. Whoa, whoa, Paul, what are you doing? We're talking about a marriage. You're totally going a different direction now. You're talking about the church. Exactly. Do you know the only relationship that God, that Jesus can use to describe his relationship with a church? Marriage. It's so powerful, his relationship with church, with the church. See, you and I, again, we approach church the same way people approach marriage. We look at church and we say, well, I'm not happy here. I'm a minister. I've been a minister for 27 years. I can tell you church is, I've been hurt more in the church than I was hurt outside of the church. It's messy. People are going to hurt you in church. Guess what, husbands and wives? I, I've been married for 26 years. And I've been hurt more in my marriage than I was hurt before. And you say, well, that's crazy. No, it's not crazy. It's called being in a relationship. with a sinner, me. I've hurt my wife more than anybody else. But we don't stop loving each other because we understand happiness is not the goal in our relationship. Happiness is not the goal in church. The relationship is the goal. Being unified is the goal. And if we will approach things the way he is. And this is Paul. Look at him. He's going, he's going off now. He's going, he's going a totally different direction now. I'm not talking about marriage anymore. I'm talking about Christ and the church. Okay, so who, who, who's here today? The church. So let's listen, church. You and me. We are. Okay, tell us, Paul. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. He's re-quoting Genesis 2.24. He'll leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Inseparable. This is a profound mystery. He's saying this is a secret society that only a few people understand its depth and width. It's profound. And, and you got to just like, you got to take off your, your human hat and put on your spiritual hat and try to understand God is trying to form an inseparable relationship, one that cannot, should not be broken. And I'm not talking about, and, and, but I am talking about Christ in the church. I'm not talking about marriage anymore. I'm talking about Jesus in the church. Okay, so let's bring this to where it is. Church, what kind of relationship should we have with Jesus? An inseparable relationship with Jesus. And an inseparable relationship with who? With each other, the church. See, God is telling us in marriage, he's saying, husband and wife, 
I am with you through it all. As painful, as messy as it is, I'm with you. I'm inseparable. You can't get rid of me. I'm with you. And when you, when you feel that, how does that, how does that just free you up? I mean, it just frees you up to serve. It frees you up to, to just love and say, the guard is down. I don't have to have my guard up. Okay, we're good. In the church, it's the same. If you and I would get this, what kind of church would we be in? One of the most painful things about being in the church is that people don't understand the depth of relationships that we share. They're in, they're out, they're back in, they're back out. What's the motivation for the in and the out? Guarantee it. I'm not happy. Hey, I can remember times me as a minister coming to church. There was a season in my life, the sharing, when I was a, a minister in West Palm Beach, Florida, it was incredibly painful to go to church. I walked through those doors and I was like, oh, I don't not want to be here. Because there was so much drama and so much hurt. But I didn't stop going to church. You know why? You know why? And I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal. I'm not, trying to, I'm not doing that at all. I'm trying to tell you the reason why I didn't stop going to church was because I understood this is a profound mystery. I made a vow as a young Christian. I said, I'm not going to let anyone or anything separate me from God and his church. I needed to make that vow. I needed to. You know why? Because me and my character, I'm in and I'm out. You know what prepared me for my marriage? an inseparable mindset with God. I will never leave you, God. I will never leave you because you'll never leave me. And I made that because of this. I said, I, now I got to understand. And let me tell you, I've been a part of some very, very messy churches. Can I be open with you guys? Can I share you some stuff? You might want to turn the camera off. I was a college student. And the church that I got baptized into, okay, I moved to Boston two and a half years later and to train as a missionary, to train in the ministry after I graduated. The church that I was a part of six months after I left split. I'm on the phone with people. I'm like, what? And it was my first experience of a broken home. I wasn't a leader. I wasn't like, okay, I'm going to, this doctrine and, and, and this, the differences, because the leaders, they, they get themselves ready. They, they got their reasons. You got this leader. He's got this, this, this scriptural, you know, foundational reason for why he's splitting and, and he's splitting. And it broke my heart. This is my family. And so I had to do it again. I said, God, I am not going to leave you or your church. And I was single then. I was single. 
Church is bigger than our personal pursuit of happiness. This is huge for us. If we as a church will focus on our unity above and beyond our happiness, will we, be, we will be happier. We will be happier. But if we use happiness as our barometer and we use pain as our barometer, okay, let me ask you a question. Do you think Jesus is happy all the time in our relationship? Do you make Jesus happy all the time? Can I be honest with you? You hurt him a lot. I hurt him a lot. He's in it with us. He says, you and I, in spite of your knucklehead and and your obstinate and your unfaithfulness, I will never leave you. And that frees me up to love unconditionally. All right, so let's close it out because it's time to go. It's Valentine's Day. This is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. The Apostle John, he had a moment on the island of Patmos and his eyes and his, he, the Holy Spirit just opened him up and showed him the future in the most powerful way. Some of the stuff is so deep and, and it's, it's, it's incredible. I, I don't even understand it all and I don't think any of us are gonna understand it all. Some say they do and they've, they've interpreted it in times and places. Uh-uh. I think you better just wait and God will explain it. But there are things that we can get and this is one of them. God showed John preparations for the great wedding. Let us rejoice and be glad and give give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. I get a front row seat to this a lot when I do weddings. And I'm there and the the groom is right there and and then he gets a first shot. The doors, boom, they open and there she is. And this happens to guys a lot. A tear comes down. And these are, men, these are manly men, okay? These aren't. tear comes down. And I just, I just hold her on. I say, man, that's God's gift to you, brother. Because she's made herself ready. And she's beautiful. She's beautiful. She's amazing. She's radiant. made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given for her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Who gives the bride her fine linen and all of her beautiful wardrobe? Who takes care of that? Jesus. Jesus. Because he makes us white as a church in spite of all of our problems. See, some of us, we focus on what's wrong with the church. Jesus says, don't you understand? You're my bride. I make you white. Every Sunday when we celebrate communion together, it's a remembrance of what I do for you, church. I see you as bright. I see you as beautiful. Stop beating yourselves up. Start seeing yourselves the way I see you. You're beautiful. And I believe if we see ourselves as beautiful, guess what's going to happen? Okay? We're going to start walking around like, yeah. Now, here's what happens in a marriage. This is how it starts. What happens in a marriage? 
after a few years. And I, I get this, and brothers, and can I just be honest, candid? Some brothers come to me and say, yeah, she's not the same as when we got married. She's not, she's not taking care of herself the way she used to. She is not making herself beautiful. And guess what, brothers? Get the same complaint from the wives. After some years, you know, he's not making himself handsome anymore. You know, when, he got, when we first got married, this is the thing I hear. When we first got married, he was a galan. <laughs> Un caballero, galan. In Spanish, that means he was a stud. <laughs> he was a gentleman. He was man. But now, he's kind of let himself go. Okay? Now, I understand life presents challenges, health problems. For the ladies, you have children, your body. I mean, it, it's, it's complicated. But what I'm talking about, what we can do in a marriage Make sure that we are our best. Now, I'm not talking about husbands and wives. I'm talking about the church now. Remember? I'm talking about the church. Church. Have some of you let yourselves go in your relationship with Jesus as it pertains to the church? You no longer fix yourselves up? Let's be specific. To walk in faith and love. To... to for everyone to be involved in the, in the church. You know how the church is going to grow and progress and thrive and, and help each other when everybody's involved. Some of you don't think, I don't need to be involved. Really? Yeah, because when I do, I put myself out there. You know, it, it doesn't work out for me. I get hurt or it doesn't work out. I mean, it's frustrating. I, I got you. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. But that all comes from the same thing. And I don't do it because the church responds well to me when I saddle up and say, I'm going to do this for who? For Jesus. Then everything kind of it's, gets straightened out. Trust me, guys. I understand. If we, want, if we want his church to be the beautiful bride, we've got to be unconditional in our devotion to him and to each other. I'm in it for you, not for happiness, for you and our relationship, we can be unified. To take bold steps in somebody else's direction, you know, as, 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 as sideways as our church may seem sometimes, people on the outside, they would come in here and they'd say, wow, what you have is amazing. I've been lonely my whole life. I have no friends. We as a couple, since we've been married, we have no friends and we're in trouble. They come in here, and they get, you know, because some of you were there. I was there. I was there. And last thing is, guys, that, you guys that are married, we that are married, let's be an example, okay? Let's follow Jesus. Brothers, let's love our wives like Jesus loved the church. And that's going to mean some changes for some of you. You're going to start having to take better care of yourself for Jesus and for your wife. So you can be that galan as best you can.
Okay, you with me? Sisters, you've got to love your husband. Support him in the moments of difficulty. You know what breaks my heart sometimes is I know I don't deserve for Laura to support me and, 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 and submit to me. I don't deserve it. And she does it anyway. I'm like, man. She's awesome. And I can honestly say this today on Valentine's Day. I love, I'm in love with my wife today more than I am or was 26 years ago. You know why, though? Here's the reason. This is the reason. See, because as you get older, you, you guys that are like this deep, you don't understand how to fall in love with somebody is to go deeper. You don't focus on all the outside and the comparing and all the other garbage that the world does. You understand, man, this is a deeper relationship where I can put everything out there, my heart, my feelings, everything, and be in love and be secure, and it is a safe place. See, because we have pleasure and we have purity. And there's the church, husbands and wives, and we need help. So right now we're going to take the communion and then we'll be done. Pray with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you so, so much for Jesus. Right now we want to focus on Jesus on the cross, his love for us, his blood pouring down in our place. What we deserved, he took our place. God, I know that all of us are guilty of failing you and I know, God, uh, the things that we talked about can, can make us feel incredibly uncomfortable. I, God, I confess to you that I have not loved the church the way I need to. And I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry, Father, for times when I've pulled back. But I want to rededicate because of Jesus. The way he loves me, the way he loves us, I want to love your church. I want to have a better marriage. I want to go higher. Father, forgive us and help us. I pray for our young people right now, God, that you can just put it on their heart. God, you have such an incredible plan for their future and how much you love them. God, no matter where we lie in our lives, help us to know that you love us and you've got us and you're not going to let go that you have, you have formed an inseparable relationship because of Jesus' body and blood. We celebrate it right now. Thank you. We lift up Jesus. Bless us and help us. In Jesus' name, amen.